and welcome to the real world on CITR 101.9 with uh, not Dora tonight or today, but Dama and Mike, yes. who you may remember from other real world episodes. We I have him on a lot. I think this is my third or fourth appearance. It's, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. Welcome, Mike. So we are broadcasting from unceded Musqueam territory here on the UBC campus in Vancouver, BC. And just a reminder for those new listeners, The Real World is just the UBC Film Society's radio show where we try to connect with other clubs and campus organizations through film. Today, we're going to be talking about projectionists in film, as well as just like the way that projection has changed over the years because Mike happens to be a very experienced projectionist both in film and digital projection. Oh, shucks. So it's going to be fun. Yeah. So like, I think we could start off just kind of talking about your experience with sure. projection. Like how did it get started in the first place? Uh, it's a really interesting, well, it's funny because I was thinking about what I was going to say on my way over here. <laughs> And um, it's funny because, like, I am really sort of like a young man in an old man's game. Like, you sort of, you sort of hear the reverse. Like, you hear, like, you're an old man in a young man's game. It's like, for projection, you're re I'm really a young man in an old man's game. Um, I got started, um, basically, I'm originally from uh, Toronto, Ontario. Uh, and I, for about five years, I worked my first job <laughs> and my first my only real job before transitioning into the film industry, uh, I worked at a movie theater. Uh, and I started, you know, I started cleaning theaters and then I went up to, mo uh, you know, ripping tickets and eventually doing the snack bar and all, uh, all that stuff like that. And then I, I worked my way up to being a projectionist. And uh, back then, it was one of the only theaters left. I started in 2009. I became a projectionist, I guess, 20... 13 i want to say okay. um and back then it was still 35 millimeter film it was well at this point it was one of the only independent theaters remaining in um oakville ontario um whereas everything else had been taken over by cineplex and oh, wow. cineplex still currently has the monopoly in canada as most of us are aware of mm -hmm. um but they were all digital at the time so we were one of the only 35 millimeter theaters remaining in ontario um, up until 2015, I believe, when they officially converted to digital. Um, but I started learning 35 millimeter film in Toronto at that theater, and then when I came uh, out to UBC for school, I, you know, ran into the UBC Film Society, and I found out that they could, I could, uh, train to be a projectionist here. Uh, and funnily enough, it's the same sort of technology, the same sort of projector parts that were used in Toronto. So the learning curve was very. Uh, small for me because I already had you know a base of knowledge and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I learned uh, 35 millimeter projection out uh, out in Toronto and sort of applied that knowledge here. Uh, but then vice versa, I learned proper digital projection here mm -hmm. and then applied that knowledge when I went back to uh, Ontario. So that's cool. And like with the UBC Film Society, I know now we have like a Bollywood collection and mm -hmm, stuff because now mm -hmm. we're mostly digital, but we do have some 35 millimeter film. Yeah. So do you want to talk to us a bit about like the Bollywood collection and maybe the 35 millimeter club that our listeners probably don't know about? Yeah, I'm sure absolutely no one knows about mm -hmm. it, actually. Um, but it was basically I founded the 35 millimeter club in I don't even know when. I think it, <laughs> I think it was January of this year. Um, and basically it was to, I was realizing that, um, I guess for some context, uh, a couple years ago, I want to say 2014 or something, it was my first year with the, the film society. Uh, so probably 2013. I don't remember. <laughs> but um, 
we were gifted this collection of Bollywood films all on 35 millimeter film, um, all in pretty good condition. There's some that are a little bit scratched up and whatnot, but uh, for the most part, uh, all in fantastic condition. Um, so I founded the 35 millimeter club on the basis of it had been probably close to three years since we had actually shown anything at the film society on wow. film. Uh, the last film that I remember showing on film was the amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, and that was a weird one to show on film, yeah, but, um, we used to show films all the time back in the day. And then starting in 2012, when the digital projector was installed at uh, the norm theater, we pretty much transitioned to mostly digital. Um, and now we're completely digital. Mm -hmm. um, so we haven't, we hadn't shown anything in close to three years. So the objective of the 35 millimeter club was to not really train projectionists as uh, it wasn't to, because um, the full training to become a 35 millimeter projectionist is a, is a year long process, which we still offer at the norm. But the goal wasn't really to, to train um a new projectionist, the goal was to give people the opportunity to uh, work with 35 millimeter film, get familiar with it, what's it like to put it through the projector, see how the process works, because it's something that very few people are are aware of mm. um, now because we're so used to, to digital and uh, I think people know what film looks like on the screen, but they don't know how it works. Mm. Um, unless, like, I mean, it, it's very similar to, you know, putting film in a camera, it's very similar to that, but um, it was really, the club was founded with the objective to sort of, you know, bring awareness to this and then also get some use out of our, our Bollywood films because otherwise they're just sitting there collecting dust. Yeah, of course. And uh, you were talking about how people can tell how it's different on film mm -hmm. uh, versus digital. Uh, I feel like a lot of uh, 35 millimeter film and just film projection in general can be compared to like vinyls versus CDs or like yes, yeah. electronic music, that type of thing. So like how... How would you say that it's so much more, like, I feel like it's more special, but mm -hmm. I can't really tell why. Well, it, it's funny, actually, because, like, uh, a lot of people, like, a lot of filmmakers will say, oh, I can totally tell the difference between 35 millimeter film and digital. Um, but surveys have shown that people, like, the average moviegoer, the average, you know, cinema person who, you know, pays $13 to go see Snow White and the Huntsman, <laughs> you know, um, cannot tell the difference between film and digital. And that's pretty much why digital has just taken over is because, well, if people can't tell the difference, it's like light years cheaper. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really matter. Um, you can, I think, the more conditioned you are with film, the more you can tell the difference. Okay. Like having been a projectionist for so long, I can certainly tell the difference. Film has a certain um, grainy sort of touch to it. It kind of it, it has this sort of... I, I, this is gonna sound weird, but this sort of like film over it, like oh, no. so, this sort of like just like, you know, like you can just tell when you're watching it. There's just something about the image that looks like somebody like ran like plastic wrap over it or something, <laughs> and that's just very indicative, I think, of of the film stock. Um, whereas digital, like you get grain, but the the grain that you're seeing is actually just pixels. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. just pixels and pixels and pixels. So. Um, but again, the average the average movie goer is not going to know the difference between film grain and pixels, so mm -hmm. they don't really care. But the more conditioned you are with it, um, the more you can tell the difference. Um, and also, the closer you're sitting to the screen, the more you can tell the difference. Uh, but it is just like you're saying, very much like vinyl or um, 
you know, any sort of um, MP3, MP3, yeah, any sort of older, you know, medium that is now sort of not making a com- not I well they like you know vinyl is obviously making a comeback and things like that, <laughs> but um, film never went away. It just sort of was pushed into the background and. Uh, now it's coming back mm. due to due to supports from some pretty big Hollywood icons who are bringing it, uh, bringing it, trying to shoot on it more like Tarantino, J.J. Yeah. Abrams. I was I was just going to ask you, like, how do you feel about like Tarantino making this like big deal about putting out The Hateful Eight on film? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's funny, actually, because I was having this conversation with uh, a friend of mine who's also a filmmaker. And I was saying that as a viewer, I think film looks better. As a filmmaker, I will never shoot on film because it is just it is a uh, it is expensive. It is incredibly expensive now because film stock is not, you know, Kodak has been shutting labs down. Fuji Film's been shutting labs down all over the world. So finding the actual film stock is more and more difficult. Um, like as a as a filmmaker, you might be able to shoot on sixteen millimeter film. I doubt you'd be able, like unless you're like you know Tarantino, <laughs> be able to shoot on thirty five or sixty five millimeter film because mm. it's just so rare now. Um, but yeah, as a filmmaker, I will probably never shoot on film just because I am, I'm from like what I call the DSLR generation, Mm. where it's like, I was trained on these like easy to use digital cameras and I'm only working my way up from there. So I'll never, I don't think I'll ever backtrack and go to Uh go into film, but as a viewer, um, I totally prefer film and watching the hateful eight on 65 millimeter film was Mm -hmm. fantastic. It was glorious. I was so upset that I couldn't. Uh, I, yeah. had, I was like ready to watch it. And then uh, I don't know where I was going to watch it, but they were showing it on film mm-hmm. and they decided to stop showing it on film about like a week early. And oh, I had no. planned to watch it the next week. Oh, of course. It was very upsetting. Well, it's, it's funny, actually, because when I went to go see The Hateful Eight, I went to go see it in Toronto. The first 10 minutes were completely out of focus because oh, uh, no. the projectionist like it wasn't a matter of like just the focus knob it was like the projectionist had seated the lens incorrectly and people were like yelling at the screen like focus 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 and i'm like man this is crazy yeah uh and it i saw it with a friend of mine who was also a projectionist i'm like dude i think we're gonna have to go back there and help this guy out otherwise it's gonna be a riot um and eventually they fixed it they fixed it like right as the um, opening title like the hateful eight okay. came in so it was sort of poetic but also sort of like i feel well, for that guy mm-hmm. um but it's but what's even more interesting is that reports came in from all over uh toronto vancouver wherever it was showing that it was out of focus that it was scratched that oh, it was no. burnt. and the reason for that is that they shipped these prints all over but the projectionists don't know how to use it because it's all digital now so mm-hmm. Um, they had no idea what to do with it, so it's 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 one of the, it's kind of a double edged sword. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like it's like worth still trying to keep the tradition around? Absolutely. I don't think film should ever die. Uh, so like you know, like the same like vinyl. I don't think vinyl should ever die, mm-hmm. but um, you know, eventually it will become too expensive and it will become sort of a niche thing, which it is. It is a niche thing, but I think eventually, you know, Hollywood markets will sort of. Um, do away with it and it will uh-huh. become strictly like a like sort of what the Cinematheque does they show things on, on yeah. 35 every now and again yeah. yeah well that's actually a great transition because we're now going to listen to a song called All This Time by The Dead Projectionists <laughs> no connection to film whatsoever I just found this, <laughs> the, the title of uh, the name of the band I mean a fun name so we're going to listen to that and we'll be right back <laughs> Thank you. 
Are you interested in indigenous issues? Do you get ticked off with ongoing colonization? Do you have something to say? Or do you want to learn more? We have just the thing. Join UBC's first ever Indigenous Radio Collective at CITR Radio, Unceded Musqueam Territories. Our show, Unceded Airwaves, airs every Monday from 11 to 12, and we meet from 12 to 1 to plan our upcoming shows. We're interested in content covering various things from film to literature, current day politics, history, whatever you want to talk about, we're into it. Everyone welcome, Indigenous and non-Indigenous. I was a prisoner. I was a prisoner. Of, I was a prisoner. Of co- cocaine addiction. Cocaine took my dream. My dream. It made me lie, lie, steal. Cocaine took my will, my soul. And all I wanted was more cocaine, more cocaine. Cocaine Anonymous gave me freedom and saved my life. If you got a problem with cocaine, pick up the phone. We're here to help. Contact Cocaine Anonymous toll-free by calling 866-662-8300 or find them online at ca-bc.ca. Hello, and we're back on the real world, with the real world, on CITR 101.9. I'm Dama, and I'm here with Mike today. And we've been talking about film uh like literal 35 millimeter, 65 millimeter film, etc. All sorts of millimeters. Lots of millimeters of film. <laughs> um, and yeah, what you just listened to was All This Time by the Dead Projectionists, a band from Toronto, Ontario. Mm. So hope you enjoyed that. It's connected to our show because it has projectionists in the band name. So <laughs> it's very appropriate, believe it or not. <laughs> so uh, Mike has just been telling us about his experience as a projectionist of like 35 millimeter film and the transition to uh, digital film, digital projection in general. <laughs> so uh, we just decided to talk about some of the representations of projectionists in film. And since I am not as well versed in film as I would like to be, the only thing I could think of was a Cinema Paradiso. So I'm going to talk a bit about that. Uh, the premise of the movie itself is just this kid, Salvatore, uh, in Sicily that, like, finds a, a cinema in his, in his village, whatever, uh, that, like, he loves going to. He becomes super friends with a projectionist. And, like, lots of things go on that just revolve around the projection booth and, like, the kid growing up to be a projectionist himself. Uh, but wanting to be a filmmaker. So it's like a very interesting film. And Mike, I was just wondering like how you feel uh, about the how realistic that portrayal of projection is, I guess. Well, it's funny because, <coughs> excuse me, um, I am the worst film, film student ever and f- worst film projectionist ever because I have never actually seen cinema no! parodies. No! <laughs> I've no! I have, I have seen maybe five minutes <laughs> in a film studies class, but in those five minutes, there was a projectionist projecting. Um, yeah, no, there haven't been many like there haven't been many instances that I can think of of film projectionists being portrayed 
on film. The only three things that come to mind are Cinema Paradiso, Fight Club, but we're not going to talk about Fight Club. Because I talk about Fight Club all the time. <laughs> and you, you can't talk about Fight Club. Come on. That's one of the main rules. Um, and then Inglorious Bastards. Mm. Um, and Cinema Paradiso and Inglorious Bastards, they sort of, they hearken the same time, uh, more or less, of projectionists. Yeah. Um, you know, like, based on what I know of my history of projectionists and what I remember from Inglorious Bastards and Cinema Paradiso, or the clip I saw of Cinema Paradiso, <laughs> um, like, it used to be, like, you know, they had these, like, big, like, giant, like, cannon-like projectors. Um, and But then uh, another interesting thing is they always had to dress very formally. They always had mm. to dress suit and tie. Uh, which was the same as uh, camera operators on set as well. They always had to dress suit and tie. Uh, and now it's funny because camera operators wear, like, white T-shirt and board shorts. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's an interesting portrayal. Um, based on what I've I've seen of Cinema Paradiso. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about Inglorious Bastards, too. <laughs> or, and Inglorious Bastards. It's pretty accurate. The only thing that has really changed... Um, in terms of that is it used to be on a reel-to-reel projection system, which mm-hmm. is what the UBC Film Society has, uh, which is basically you can show up to 60 minutes of film on one projector, and then you have to time uh, the other projector to kick in with the final 60 minutes or the, or the rest of the film, um, which is not a common method of projection anymore. We've talked about this a little bit in the 35mm club, but um, everything... Um, after 1960, more or less, switched over to what's called platter projection, mm-hmm. where the film would basically just unwind on a platter and then rewind onto another platter so you didn't have to rewind the film and you could just go. Um, and it also required less, you know, sort of supervision from the projectionist. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cinema Paradiso and Glorious Bastards, they, they sort of represent the original, or I don't want to say the original, but what the, an earlier form of, of film projection. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of anything up until 1960, and then Fight Club represents post-1960. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Uh, one of the big things, both in Cinema Paradiso and, like, I'm going to say Inglorious Bastards, uh, is, like, the safety of film a lot. Yes. Uh, so, like, in Cinema Paradiso, the original projectionist is constantly, like, on the guy's back, on the mm-hmm. little dude's back, to be like, don't have fire around here. Don't, yes. like, stop looking at the film. You need to make sure that you're on it all the time. And in Inglorious Bastards, like, no spoilers, but there's things that ah! happen with fire. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, how, how has that changed now? Because I know, like, it's not that dangerous anymore. No, no. Uh, originally, film was made out of nitrate, oh, which wow. basically means uh, if you... Like, well, it, like it for anybody who's, it's, it sounds very dangerous. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm working with nitrate. Um, but um, if you've seen Inglorious Bastards, you'll know there's a scene where they light film on fire and it goes up in about seven seconds. It's ex- it, was, it used to be extremely flammable. Uh, at some point, somebody got smart and said, this is not a good idea anymore. We should stop doing this. <laughs> um, and now it's made out of what is called a uh, leader basically. Um, And it's just like this plastic, like, um, it's not plastic, but it's sort of this this more bendable, um, (laughs) non-flammable medium, which is is, is better. Mm. Um, The nitrate film was, was, it was more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? But it it was easier to damage, basically, Mm. um, with, you know, with fire and then also just in general. So um, at some point, like, you used to have 
you used to have to have a, a, a sort of an official certification uh, to be a projectionist um, because you were dealing with nitrate and highly flammable materials. Yeah. So uh, that has since changed. So yeah, it used to be, I don't know, it used to be, a, well, it used to be a union job too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's, you got idiots like me doing it. So <laughs> that tells you how much it cha- it's changed. Which makes <laughs> sense. Which makes sense. Um, I don't know. I was going to ask like, We've talked a bit about this already and how it's becoming a very niche thing, but like, what do you think the future of film projection mm. in with actual film uh, is? Like, what's in store for it now that it's like the age of digital is so. Yeah. Well, it, it's interesting because I, I did a documentary uh, with uh, one of the old projectionists at the uh, Film Society, who's now the full time projectionist at the Cinematheque, Tim Fernandez, who also has a show, Copy Paste, uh, at CITR. I'm going to give him the shameless yeah. plug there. Awesome. Um, but um, I asked him the same question, and we basically just said sort of what we were saying earlier is that it will never die, it will ne- film will never completely go away. However, um, it will sort of become this niche sort of marketplace, which it already has in Vancouver, where you get places like uh, the Cinematheque and Van City playing it every now and again. Mm. Um, but you'll never see a Cineplex showing 35 millimeter ever again. Um, so we'll probably continue to to capitalize on that niche sort of marketplace mm. worldwide. Um, but I think in five to ten years, probably close to the ten years, um, Hollywood directors will give up on it, not because of uh, not because it's a, a, a dying technology or a dying medium, just because the advances in digital technology are getting so advanced mm-hmm. um, that it'll be hard to walk away from that. Um, so I think closer to 10 years, you'll see Hollywood directors sort of walk away from it and it'll be, become more of an, an independent medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same with uh, with projection as well. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Mike. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. So yeah, for anyone that didn't know anything about film which i didn't till i joined the 35 miller millimeter club um it's like a lot of fun anyone that's interested i'm guessing we're gonna keep doing it eventually absolutely <laughs> it will the 35 millimeter club will return like james bond always probably in september <laughs> but we'll see so yeah uh thank you for joining us today like listeners and next up we have pete's picks so yeah thank you see you next week and mike join me Oh, right. Shout out Shout to Halle Berry. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you next Wednesday, Hallie. See you for dinner. Bye. Yeah, okay, bye. <laughs>